This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Hope everyone had a, a great Thanksgiving. Uh, just in case you're wondering, we're going to be in the book of Hosea today. So if you want to go ahead and start turning there, you can. I have to confess to you guys, though, I did not eat turkey on Thanksgiving. I had Mexican food, and it was delicious. And I will not apologize uh, for that. Uh, but Christine and I had a wonderful Thanksgiving down in Charleston with family, and, and hope you guys uh, enjoyed your Thanksgiving as well. Uh, this morning, though, we're going to try to avoid a turkey sermon. You guys know what a turkey sermon is? It's a sermon that's white and dry where people have to pretend like they want more. Um, And so we're going to try to avoid that this morning. We're going to be in the book of Hosea. And and here's the thing. We're going to cover the entire book of Hosea in one Sunday. And I know that sounds crazy to you, but I'm going to try to keep it as close to 30 minutes as possible. but I think we can do it. And, and Hosea is in the Minor Prophets. It's not called the Minor Prophets because they're less important than the rest of the Bible. They're the Minor Prophets because they're shorter. And I like that. I don't know about you guys, but I like reading a book where the author is going to, to write what he's going to write. He's going to say what needs to be said, and then he's going to put the pen down and just let it be. And I like that. It resonates with me. And so the book of Hosea is, is no different. Uh, it's short, it's sweet, but it's to the point and it packs a powerful punch. And we're going to see this morning the mind-blowing view of the love of God. And and it's a view of the love of God that's really almost too difficult to believe for us. Now, if you would believe, I don't know how much backstory you know about the book of Hosea. But God is going to give Hosea the worst ministry assignment ever. Okay? I mean, you think like us asking you to, to go share Jesus with people is bad? You need to wait and and see what kind of ministry assignment Hosea draws. God tells Hosea, go and marry a prostitute, start a family with her, and that's his ministry assignment. Really tough, really difficult. And we think starting a conversation with someone we don't know is hard, right? Encouraging to me that Hosea is going to follow through with what God calls him to do. And so this story as Hosea tells it, is going to illustrate how Israel acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other things, other gods, trusting other things in place of God. And that's what we're going to see this morning. You see, one of the major sins that Israel committed was that they looked to other nations for help. They get in a bad financial situation. There's a drought, there's famine. And what they're going to do, instead of looking to God and and placing their trust in his providence, in his care, they're going to run to Egypt, they're going to run to Assyria, and they're going to say, help us. And they're not going to trust in God. And to us, I know reading this some couple thousand years later, it really doesn't seem that bad, right? Okay, so they got in a hard situation. They're going to turn to to neighboring countries and... and, um, and get some help from them. That, yeah, it doesn't really sound that bad. But the problem comes is that God told them that, that he was all they were going to need. And so they're, they're replacing him with other things. And really, for us, that's our primary sin as well, is it not? 
We let other things take the place God is supposed to have in our hearts. We place our trust in other things. And so I ask you this morning, what or whom do you look to when you're worried or anxious? What or whom do you look to when you're worried or anxious? If you're a single person and you want to be married, are you going to trust the design that God has set out for, for marriage and, and um, trust the, the principles set out for, for sexual morality? Are you going to trust those things as you look for a spouse or are you going to kind of take matters into your own hands and do things your way and press the issue? Or maybe when you're stressed, when things aren't going well at work, when there's family situations or disagreements and you are struggling through those situations and you're just, you're just, you've reached your limit and you're just stressed, do you turn to a, to a substance? Maybe if you're a lady, and I'm sure guys do this too, but you turn to shopping and you go out and buy, what do they call it, retail therapy? Is that what they call it? Is that, is that how you handle, handle your stress? Are you turning to something else other than God to replace him in your life. What about money? Where do you look for financial security? Money gets tight around your house and instead of giving uh, your, your, your tithe faithfully to, uh, to, to the church, to God's kingdom, you, uh, you say, you know what, it's, it's really tight this month. I think we're just gonna need to, we'll, we'll tithe next, next month. We're gonna, we're gonna trust in our own ability instead of giving our finances over to the Lord and trusting what he's gonna do. Instead of giving sacrificially, we're going to take charge of our own financial future. See, the reality is for us uh, believers that God wants to be our joy. He wants to be our hope. He wants to be our confidence. He wants to be uh, our source of trust. But Israel, like this prostitute, is going to seek those things elsewhere. And that betrayal, we're going to see, is going to break God's heart. And so God illustrates this for everyone through this story. And so let's jump in, let's dive in and look at some background of Hosea. Hosea 1.3 says this. So Hosea went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibla'im, and she conceived and bore him a son. And so he's obedient to what God calls him to do. And yes, her name is Gomer. Quite possibly the worst name in the history of mankind. We'll look past it. Um, sorry if your name is Gomer. Um, but Hosea genuinely loved Gomer. It wasn't just a, a situation where Hosea was going to say, okay, I'm just going to walk through the motions. I'm going to listen to God. Okay, yeah, 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 God, I'll go, I'll go marry her, whatever. I'm kind of halfway in, halfway out. Hosea was committed. And so they start a family. They have a child. And then shortly after, Gomer returns to her old ways. Chapter two, verse five. She says, I will again go after my lovers. And the thing about this situation that we really need to understand is that this situation was a very public situation. She does this in, in broad daylight. This is, this is very visible for the community in which they live. And you can imagine the pain and the embarrassment that Hosea is dealing with as his wife is choosing to go back to her old lifestyle. She's, she's leaving a life of, of, of safety, a life of peace, a husband who loves her dearly, and she's going back to her past. Painful, embarrassing to Hosea. 
And Hosea even begs her to come back, but insanely, she won't do it. And Hosea loves her so much. We see in chapter two, verse eight, that Hosea even gives this new guy that she's living with money in order to take care of her. And she still won't come back to her husband. And what happens is that eventually this this new guy that she's been living with um, gets tired of her and tries to sell her back into the slave trade. And that's where we come to Hosea chapter three. God says to Hosea again, go again, love a woman. This is verse one. Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. And you can imagine Hosea's feeling at this point. What are you talking about, God? You've asked me to do this, and then she left me and went back into the sex slave trade, and now you're asking me to go again, spend my own money, purchase her back out of that slave trade. That's crazy. That's crazy talk, God. She humiliated me in front of everyone, in, in front of my entire community. Who in their right mind would do that? But God was trying to make a point. He continues, chapter three, verse one. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. And so Hosea, in obedience, in a great act of love, goes and buys back Gomer. And so this morning, what I wanna see and what I wanna illustrate for us in this text is five things about the love of God. Because this, this story really is a picture, again, of how God loves his people and continues to pursue them, though they looked to other things to fill God's place in their lives. So five things. They'll be up on the screen if you'd like to keep score. Number one, God's love scandalizes us. God's love scandalizes us. I think if we're completely honest, if I were to put you in this situation that Hosea found himself in, would I ask you what you would have done, you would have simply walked away. I've had enough, she's used me, I'm done. I'm walking away, I want no more of this. And in reality, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we wonder how God has the right to judge us. Like God really makes a big deal out of the seemingly the smallest little things. He's, he's kind of like his stance against sin is, is like an overprotective parent for us. And, and he kind of makes a big deal about everything. But what I find is that when we're put in this similar situation and someone mistreats us, what do we do? We get super angry, we get bent out of shape. But yet what God does is instead of pushing back from the table, I've had enough, He keeps coming after us. God keeps coming for us. And we need to understand in this situation, Hosea is perfectly justified to walk away. What Hosea did in buying back Gomer was not required by law. He didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to follow God in obedience. He was justified to divorce her. He was even justified to have her stoned because of her actions. Likewise, In our lives, God could have very easily been justified to simply turn and walk away from us, but yet he didn't. 
and we can't understand this love scandalizes us because that's not how we operate. Hosea 11 verse 8. He says, how can I hand you over, O Israel? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I'm reminded of the song. What a beautiful name it is. And in that song, there's a line. And it's kind of a, a, a song um, that, that has kind of come under some, some, some I guess, conflict. Because there's a line in that song where the singer sings, you wouldn't want heaven without us. And, and a lot of people feel like that really kind of paints a picture that God is needy, right? That God couldn't have heaven without us. He needs us to be there in order for him to be happy. But it's the truth. I mean, look at chapter 11, verse eight. His compassion for us grows warm and tender. He doesn't want heaven without us. He loves us. God is so united with us that he cannot let us go and we don't deserve it Ephesians says that we were God's enemies but yet this is how he feels about us we see in chapter 2 verse 4 but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved one thing we need to understand about our God is that our God loves us and that his happiness is wrapped up in ours. And he desires what's best for us, even though we continually spit in his face and turn our backs on him. God's love scandalizes us. Number two, God's love wrecked Hosea. God's love wrecked Hosea. What I want us to understand and what Hosea talks about is the fact that that. This, this whole situation wrecks Hosea financially. He's asked to go back again and buy her. And, and we, we read in the text that he bought her for 15 shekels and, and basically a bundle of barley. And, and most scholars at that time say that, that 30 shekels was kind of the going price of a slave. And, and Hosea didn't have it, frankly. He had to come up with the rest. And so he piled and pulled all of his money. He turned over the couch cushions. He did whatever, he looked in the, the crevice between your car seat and your console and he looked for all the change and all the money he could find and still didn't have enough. He was throwing gift cards on the pile. I'm gonna get some fruits and vegetables, clean out the fridge, do whatever I need to do and I'm gonna go buy her back. Hosea was wrecked financially. He was publicly humiliated by Gomer's actions. But yet, he followed through. And this is, a, this is a beautiful picture. It's one of my favorite uh, pieces of imagery in the Bible. But this points us forward to Jesus who is literally wrecked on our behalf. And sure, it wasn't a financial undoing. But he was eviscerated on the cross for us. He poured himself out so that we could be restored. He paid the price. He took the cat of nine tails. He took the nails. He took the crown of thorns. He was physically eviscerated for us. He was wrecked for us on the cross. We deserved to be there. Should have been us taking the wrath of God. But Jesus didn't want heaven without us. He took our sins upon himself and he held the gates of heaven open for us so that we could have life. 
And the reality is, friends, and I, I don't know where everyone is, but there's no riding the fence with this kind of love, is there? When you're loved this deeply, either you're going to reject it or you're going to fall down in confession and adoration and thanksgiving. And you're going to you respond to that love favorably and return in kind. Tim Keller says this, the opposite of love is not anger. It's indifference. It's indifference. So I ask you, where are you today? Are you responding to God with love? Heartfelt love. Or are you responding to God with, you know what, I can take it or leave it. Sure, when it, when it aligns with my political beliefs, I'm all for God. But you know what, in this area, eh, I'm kind of iffy on that one. I don't think that's the, the right translation of that passage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to equivocate my beliefs because it's uncomfortable for me. Are you responding to God with indifference or confession, adoration, and thanksgiving for the love that he's given you? Number two, God's love wrecked Hosea. Number three, God's love is persistent. God's love is persistent. If I could pick a theme verse for the entire book of, of Hosea, it would be chapter three, verse one. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is, adult, and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. In other words, God's saying to Hosea, don't give up on her because I'm definitely not giving up on you. Throughout this book, Hosea is gonna talk about two events, one in the past and one in the future that demonstrate the greatness of God's salvation. The first one is the Exodus, and we all mostly know that story um, where God freed the Israelites from slavery, led them out into the wilderness, promised them a land for themselves, led them out of slavery. And that's the, the past event, the present or the future event that he talks about is that the, the Exodus is gonna serve as a pattern of how God is gonna deliver his people in the future. In Matthew 2.15, it'll be up on the screen, it says this, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. You know what that's a reference from? It's cited from Hosea 11.1. 1. And Matthew says that this prophecy was fulfilled when Joseph and Mary escaped from Egypt as Herod was, was trying to kill all of the, the young boys under two years of, old, two years of age. And the takeaway is this. God is essentially saying, I redeemed you the first time and you forgot about me and you turned your back on me, but I'm coming back for you and this time I'm gonna pay for you and I'm gonna pay for you with my own blood. This is exactly how God feels about us. When we fall back into sin, he says, Jesus, go again. Go again. Second Peter 3.9 says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. When we sin, God says, son, go again. When we deal with the guilt and the shame of our sin, when, when sin is cyclical and we just can't seem to break free, he says, son, go again. Son, go again. God's love is persistent. Fourth, and, and maybe the most important, God's love is power, not a reward. God's love is power, not a reward. 
I want us to, to take note of the fact that God's love and Hosea's love was offered to Gomer while she was still a prostitute. When Hosea went to buy Gomer back, he didn't have to wait for her to, to, to go home and take a shower and clean herself up and, and get her life back on the right track. He went and bought her back when she was still in sex slavery. And this, to me, teaches us how we can be set free ourselves from the bondage of sin. She didn't have to free herself and clean herself up to merit Hosea's love. It was a free gift that Hosea gave her. Same thing goes for our sin. God's acceptance, his forgiveness, and unconditional love come first, and then, and only then, change follows. And I think we get into the mindset when, when we stand up and we, we draw the three circles model out and we encourage you guys to go share the gospel, a lot of times what ends up happening, and, and I've been there before too, but we, we come across a friend or a coworker and the temptation is, hey, let me speak to that sin that you're dealing with. Let me fix that and then God's gonna love you. But in reality, the core sin The root sin in their life is the fact that they don't trust God. They don't trust God in their lives. They don't believe. And so what ends up happening is we're treating the symptoms, but we're not treating the actual disease of unbelief and sin. It's not a situation where we deal with sin first, and then, and only then, can they come to trust Jesus. No, God's love happens first and then it's power to change. God's love is not a reward. We don't work for that. God gives that to us freely. And John 8, 11 is the perfect example. And maybe you remember this story, but the Pharisees are trying to make Jesus stumble and they bring a lady who's been caught in adultery and they ask Jesus, uh, what are we gonna do? Shouldn't we stone her? Because she's an adulterer, right? And Jesus tells them what? If you've not sinned, you throw the first stone. And then slowly, in that circle of of Pharisees, stones drop and they all turn and walk away and Jesus is left face to face with this woman. And he says what? Anybody know? Neither have I condemned you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He offered his love and then and only then Did he encourage her to make lifestyle changes? Did he walk with her in order to do that? I'm gonna get you guys to write this down because I think this is the the, the essence of, of God's love as power in our lives. And it's this. God's love is the power that frees us, not the reward for freeing ourselves. God's love is the power that frees us not the reward for freeing ourselves. One more time, because we gotta get it. God's love is the power that frees us, not the reward for freeing ourselves. See, the gospel means that in Christ, God offers complete forgiveness and free righteousness to all who believe. Not only does he take your sin, but he gives you his righteousness and yours. Essentially what ends up happening is we hand in his answers to the test. 
Anybody ever been in school and you got that one smart person, and maybe you were the smart person in the class, right? Everything they did, seemingly, 100. Everything. SAT, perfect score. 1,600 or 2,400 or whatever it is now. I think they went back to 1,600. It used to make me sick, right? I guess they, they didn't have a life, though, maybe. I don't know. At least that's what I tell myself when they made better grades than I did. But sometimes <laughs> I'll just be like, man, I wish I could just have that kind of gift and that I had that kind of book smart and I could just take their answers and get their grade and have that, that scholarship and, and that fancy degree and all that stuff. That's essentially what Jesus allows us to do with his righteousness. We turn in his answers to the test. God's love is power, not a reward. Number five, God's love turns gomers into Hosea's. God's love turns gomers into Hosea's. See, God not only wanted Hosea to understand the love that God has for his people, he wanted Hosea to actually be a giver of that kind of love. And so he says to Hosea, Hosea, go again, buy her back. Hosea, go again, buy her back. Because Hosea, that's exactly what I've done for you. That's what God's done for us. And he wants those of us, those who call themselves Christians, those who profess faith in Christ, to be those who are filled with his love and in turn extend it to others. That's what he's calling us to do. We talked about the Great Commission upstairs. It's the heart of the Great Commission, God's love for people. We're all made in his image. We're all equally sinful. We're all equally in need of salvation. So if you've been filled let that, let that fullness in your life overflow into the lives of others. So I say to you, go again. To those who've betrayed you, go again. To those who've lied to you, go again. To those who've sidelined you, put you on the sideline in, in their life, go again. Those who, who have misunderstood you, go again. You offer forgiveness, you offer love because it was, it was given to you when you didn't deserve it. That's why we go. And here's the thing. In this situation, when we, when we love others in that way, sometimes they're gonna respond with, you know what, no thanks, I don't want that love. You know what, no thanks, I, I don't care what you have to say, I'm done with you. And they're gonna stiff arm you and they're gonna, they're gonna cut you out of their life. When you go again to them, when you offer that love that God has given you, it may not change them, but let me tell you something, it's gonna change you. And it's gonna change you for the better. So number five, God's love turns gomers into Hosea's. And as we close, um, I, I hope you've caught a vision for the love of God. And I hope that this story resonates. There's a reason why in the Old Testament, God uses uh, the stories of adultery to communicate powerful truths to their people, to his people. Because in those situations, we we just feel like the pinnacle of of just like gut wrench, just just uncomfortable. And that's why God uses these, these stories to communicate his truth. But we see the great links that he went to to love us. And so my prayer for you, for us as a church, is to be people who understand his love and who then extend it to others. And maybe you say, you know, Michael, I really haven't felt God's presence in my life. I really haven't felt the love of God. What does that even mean? What does it feel like? 
let me remind you that our God, this great God that loves you so much, actually wrote a book. God wrote a book. And what I've found, and what others have found well is that, as well, is that when we love God and when we know God and we understand who God is more and more and more and more and more, love for God then follows. It's the same thing with every other relationship in your life. If you invest, if you care, if you focus on others, your love for them will grow. That's the way it works. And so if you wanna feel God's presence, get to know God and understand first his love for you. And look no further than the book of Hosea to to illustrate that. And so we're gonna pray in, in just a second. If you've never experienced this love, but you feel like God's calling you this morning, um, let me just invite you to come forward um, and, and, and we can talk about that and we can talk about your next steps as well. Um, my prayer is that all would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, uh, and so we're gonna pray and I'll be done front as we sing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're, we're thankful for the powerful picture, the powerful imagery that you've given us in the book of Hosea. That God, even in our sin, you continue to love us and you continue to pursue us. God, even when we turn our back, even when we trust in things other than you for our satisfaction, for our fullness, for our hope, for our joy, God, you still love us. And so thank you for your persistent love. Thank you for your transforming love. Thank you that we don't have to earn that love. God, that you give it to us freely. And God, we pray that as we go, we would be people who've been touched by your love, that you would give us new hearts, that we'd cast off the old, the anger, the bitterness, the malice, the deceit, and that we would put on the new and love others as you have loved us. That's our prayer this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer and find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. 
I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.